dirt road in a gooseneck saddle up with me dry land in god's country crops far as i can see headlights on both ends of my day this country Welcome, folks, to HPJ Talk, the podcast from High Plains Journal, bringing the ag news and commentary of the week to you. I'm Associate Editor Jennifer M. Latsky, and I'm joined by my colleague, Associate Editor Kayleen Scott. Hey, Kayleen. Hi, Jenny. I don't know about you, but this week really did fly by, didn't it? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, so uh, you had a water meeting this week. Um, Last week. Was that last week? Yeah, last Friday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I said, we're recording this on Friday because I've been on the road and she's been busy with kids. And so, um, yeah, it's it's been kind of fun. What did you learn on that water meeting? Anything anything interesting? Well, they had it inside, so it's not like you could go out and see the technology. But they showed the maps and all the, the techie stuff they use on the farms and it's always interesting. And they always have the, the rain demonstration that the NRCS, I believe, does, mm-hmm. the rain simulator thing. And that's always kind of cool to see. And it's since I've seen it before, it's neat to watch the reactions of the people in the crowd when they do flip the pans that have been rained on. They flip them over and see what the how far the water went through the soil and stuff. You know what amazes me is they've been doing those rain simulator demonstrations for 30, 40 years. Yeah. I mean, ever since somebody figured out how to put a sprinkler on <laughs> on a piece of property, we know this. But in order to get any sort of change in anybody's thinking and, and activities out there, you really have to show them, take them by the hand and go, this is what you are doing to your ground. Yes. So I, I always appreciate those fellows when they bring those rain simulator trailers out. It's always kind of fun, too. Yeah. Well, I just spent... Uh, two days in the the homeland of Manhattan, Kansas. <laughs> I felt I, I got my purple in. It felt really good, Kayleen. It's like you have to touch home base every once in a while, and that is always home for <laughs> did me. Did you get your call hall ice cream? I did get call hall ice cream. I the I, purple pride even. But um, I tried apple dapple ice cream. Oh yeah, it's an apple pie ice cream. How'd that go? It was pretty okay. Yeah, definitely tasted like apple pie. So that's cool. And it was call hall yummy nummy. So (laughs) hallelujah. Um, Yeah, I was up there for the Kansas Governor Summit on agricultural growth in um, the state. And so this meeting, this ag growth summit, is a crowdsourcing opportunity deluxe. We spend one day. We're at one location and we cover like 16 different topics of agriculture in the state of Kansas. Everything from rural economic prosperity to beef to cotton to dairy. Um, any one of your crops, you know, wheat and sorghum and all those. The pet foods industry, the pet, the, the pet and small animal industry. Everybody has a voice. Uh, we get together in these rooms. We identify problems. We identify solutions to those problems and people that we can loop in to help us with these solutions. Um, There have been some amazing ideas that have come out of this summit, and it's mostly because you get 
a large group of people together, break them out into smaller groups, and have them talk about what's going on in their part of the state and how it can work here. And maybe have you tried this? Well, we've seen this problem come up. You know, it's organized chaos, but it actually does some good. Yeah. So I was there for that. Uh, the day before, I got to stay, uh, got to take some time in at Kansas Department of Agriculture and talk with all of their staff. And so we're going to have interviews with those folks coming up in future podcasts and, and in High Plains Journal as well. I did all of this after a weekend that reminded me viscerally <laughs> I am no longer 22 years old. But you're too old for that crap? <laughs> I am way too old to be hanging out till 3 o'clock in the morning dancing and, and hooping and hollering for a bachelorette party and then to get up and decorate for a bridal shower for the same bride the next morning at nine. But I did it. I was bright eyed. I was somewhat bushy tailed. I was highly caffeinated. Let me tell you, highly, highly caffeinated. Also highly dehydrated. (laughs) Was there anybody else suffering like you were? I don't know. Um, And I, I hope that I did not show that I was suffering because I was bright and, and cheery. Um, but I got home and I took a nine-hour coma. <laughs> Most people would call that a nap. It was a coma. <laughs> but uh, I told my friend Mears, I go, yeah, we used to be the woo girls, right? Mm. You know, the woo girls. Yeah, now we're the who has the Tums and Tylenol. <laughs> so, yeah, week just flew by, Kayleen. Anything else with you? I had to go to the parents' meeting for the third and fifth grader, third to fifth graders last night. And the kindergarten and the rest of the grades had theirs on Tuesday night. They can't just do it all together. Uh, no, because other parents have more than one child and they gotcha. need to segregate, apparently. And last night, <laughs> I have to laugh because my oldest has been complaining that his teacher talks all the time. <laughs> And I'm like, well, my first reaction, gut reaction was, well, you probably can't get a word in edgewise because you talk all the time. (laughs) And I found out that he has his own desk while the rest of the kids are at tables, sharing tables, Mm -hmm. that he has his own desk by the teacher's desk. Um, (laughs) We got in the car and I was like, why do you have your own desk and why are you right beside the teacher? Because I talk too much. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. At least you're honest this time. <laughs> I just love how when you told it originally, it was, yeah, I went over to where his desk was when we had open house. <laughs> his name wasn't there. Started looking around the rest of the room. Hey, there's this little child-sized desk next, next to the teacher's desk. <laughs> oh, there's where my son's sitting. Yes. <laughs> and the little one, I'm just so bored, Mom. Can I have your phone? No, you're not getting my phone, so... It's always fun trying to listen at these meetings when the yeah. kids are there with you because the little one thinks that he needs to do this and that and the other and it doesn't work out very well. And I usually don't answer know the answer to these dumb questions that I have later on. So <laughs> it is what it is. Well, bless your heart for going because that's the number one thing that would make their lives a lot easier is if parents were really, really started getting involved and, hey, you know what, you know, how are my kids doing what can we do? What yeah. you know? What sort of things can we do outside of class? You know, all of my teacher friends tell me that. Yeah. Um, that well, and they're taking their time to have after school have a meeting, and yeah. then 
eight parents show up, it's not fair to them to spend their time like that either. I mean, you can sacrifice 30 minutes of your day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's good for you to really know, put a face to the name of who your child's teacher is. So that way when something happens, you've got some, you've got a point of contact. Yeah. You know, adults, talking to adults, trying to help kids, you can't go wrong, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, anything else? Everybody good out your direction? How's the, the cattle doing? It's getting pretty dry. We need yeah. some rain very badly. <laughs> oh, man. Do we? <laughs> um, it tried to rain last night, but it didn't amount to anything. So, Well, I think there might be some on the forecast. Here's uh, crossing I hope our it fingers. stays on the forecast. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. You know, I, I was just back in Manhattan, you know, home ground, and everybody's talking about, we just have gotten so much rain and so much rain, and we just don't know what to do with it. And and I realize you, we could have had that much rain out here, and then the next week or so, it's dried up. It's mm-hmm. gone to where it's seeped through the ground or whatever. It's run off, however, wherever rain goes, that rain goes, right? Yep. And it'll dry up, and just like that, it's a flash drought again. Mm-hmm. You're always in a constant t- state of drought out here, so. Yep. Um. Anyway, here's hoping that we can uh, that we can get some rain on the forecast. Or those of you on the east side can share <laughs> with those of us here on the west. Yeah, let's make that happen. <laughs> let's, let's figure that one out. If you got a comment or a thought, we'd love to hear it. You can drop us a line at hpjtalk at hpj.com and let us know. Or you can call us at the office, 1-800-452-7171. And in this week's episode, we'll bring you the stories you might have missed in the August 26th print edition. I have an interview with Kansas Secretary of Agriculture, Mike Beam, and Kayleen spoke with... I spoke with Earl Lewis. He's the acting director of the Kansas Water Office at the, the water field day I went to last week. And then, of course, Kayleen's going to bring us the latest on grain markets, and we'll have some final thoughts. So sit back, take a sip of coffee, and ride with us on HPJ Talk. This week's cover story is from contributor Lacey Newland. Pastures prosper or perish by the flames. She spoke with John Weir, a OSU Associate Extension Specialist for Prescribed Fire, about taking care of pastures through the use of effective fire management. I spoke with John last earlier this year yeah. and talked about how to prepare your, your home for wildfires. So He's this, a great resource. Yes, he is. He's really good. And he knows his stuff. Yes, he does. Well, and if you want to catch up on um, Kayleen's story and other stories, be sure to, to look for that in hpj.com. Um, we've got all sorts of fire management stories there as well. Yep. And inside, we have a recap of the Sorghum U slash Wheat U event from Kayleen. That's on page five. On our opinions and editorial page eight, managing editor Dave Bergmeier writes about how there's still a great demand for beef. Lynn Crisp, president of the National Corn Growers Association, and Davy Stevens, the president of the American Soybean Association, write to the editor calling on President Trump to, quote, uphold your commitment to the renewable fuel standards. 
And Randall Debler, a cow-calf producer from Alma, Kansas, writes about how the BQA program provides valuable information for ranchers and consumers. On page 9, web editor Shauna Rumbaugh has coverage from the Kansas Lieutenant Governor Lynn Rogers' Rural Prosperity Listening Tour stop in Dodge City. And then on pages 11 through 13, we have our updates from our All Aboard Wheat Harvest crews from the road, brought to us by John Deere, Oklahoma Baptist Homes for Children, Underfirth Manufacturing, and High Plains Journal. Remember, for added photos, videos, and the popular combine cam, visit us online at allaboardharvest.com. Folks, if you have a response to something you've read or heard, or there's a local topic that you want to bring to the attention of our readers and listeners, please write to us at journal at hpj.com or hpjtalk at hpj.com, or you can always call us at the office, 1-800-452-7171. We want to hear from you. opportunity to sit down with Kansas Secretary of Agriculture Mike Beam prior to the Kansas Governor's Summit on Ag Growth August 29th in Manhattan. We talked about his first year in the position, what the department is working on now, and what he hopes they can accomplish in this administration under Kansas Governor Laura Kelly. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Beam. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. So let's talk about, we've got a new administration in the state, um, new as far as we're, we're in our first year. Um, that probably means that there's some d- changing priorities or expansion of priorities that we've previously laid down. Um, what does that mean for Kansas farmers and the Kansas Department of Agriculture? Well, it's it's been a pretty uh, uh, somewhat seamless process for the Department of Ag because there was a, you know, a lot of uh, really dedicated employees uh, that were working on behalf of farmers and ranchers and providing a service-oriented agency for the all the folks that they work with but um, you know the governor and lieutenant governor uh, have put a, a big emphasis on rural prosperity mm-hmm. so there actually will be a, an office uh, of its own you know with with staff at some point soon and the Department of Ag will play a role in helping you know interacting with with the various committees that, that that address that and help them deliver those programs as, as applicable to, to the Department of Ag. So that's a, that's a big focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, I was able to go to three of the listening sessions, but there were 12 of them across the state. Mm-hmm. What did farmers tell you? What did rural communities tell you about the need for a, a department or an agency like, um, like that for rural prosperity? Well, I don't think that folks really get that hung up on how it's structured, but mm-hmm. There were some general themes uh, in these rural communities. Uh, infrastructure, uh, including broadband, accessibility, uh, access to health care, you know, those were, and housing and workforce, those were, those were the key mm-hmm. things that surfaced, uh, depending on which community you went to, what, how much emphasis there were on those or, or other aspects. But, uh, what I think is encouraging is that uh, the folks in the lieutenant governor's office continue to seek input and will continue to seek input through this whole process, uh, even after these 12 sessions. In fact, they plan to go out 
periodically, uh, probably next year, maybe later this fall and then next year to continue touching base. But the one thing they did pick up is that they appreciated uh, someone from the administration coming out mm -hmm. to the rural communities to listen. Well, now um, we've got uh, the ag economy is what it is. But Kansas has some opportunities before it, whether it's working with our trading partners, whether it's um, working with other states on some projects, I imagine. Um, what are the opportunities that you see in this, in this administration? Well, I would say uh, you're right. This is, this is a pretty stressful time frame, uh, and we hope it's, it improves uh, soon. But uh, if you take a look at the top five states as far as ag output, value of ag output, you know, we're, we're there, I think, in fifth place. Mm -hmm. So what Kansas has going for it is we have a, a really diverse natural resources base. So we, you know, we have a strong grazing forage base for, for livestock. We have, you know, some of the, the top producing grains and oil seeds. Uh, we have a, a strong sense of entrepreneurship and ingenuity and, and people are open to sharing and learning more, uh, fine-tuning uh, what they're doing and, and you know, always seeking new markets. So we've got that Kansas spirit and the natural resources. You know, a lot of the, the big policy issues that affect their bottom line are, are driven by uh, Congress and, mm -hmm. and the administration. So we're somewhat limited, but uh, we, we hope to continue to, to work with uh, the ag organizations and our congressional folks to uh, help send the right message and provide the information that's needed to make good decisions. Mm -hmm. we've, we've talked about the health of the farm sector and you, you mentioned that there are some things that we need to talk with our congressional representatives and our, delegates, our delegation, etc. As Secretary of Ag for Kansas, how do you work across the aisle to make things happen for farmers and ranchers, or how do you have that that bipartisan working ethic or work working relationship with folks? Well, I can't really speak for for other agencies, but my career on governmental affairs, uh, I've just never got wrapped up uh, in the partisan politics of it. Uh, I've I've tried to learn that uh, to to know and understand where each individual is coming from. Mm -hmm. So, and just, you know, good communications uh, so that they know uh, firsthand what's going on and, and the implications of, of various policy decisions. Uh, so that, I think, has served, served me well. I, I believe that culture served the Kansas Livestock Association well and, and I believe will is the right fit for this agency and is consistent with the approach that uh, Governor Kelly is taking. You know, my dad, he said, That's food right. is, a bipart is a bipartisan issue. <laughs> well, and if you think about agriculture today, it's fiber and fuel as well. Mm -hmm. So now let's, uh, let's kind of circle back here to the rural prosperity um, topic here because broadband and healthcare and workforce, those are three topics that just 20 years ago I don't think really kind of came under the umbrella of a Secretary of Ag, but we're seeing that that's, well, maybe not as, as forefront back then, but we're seeing that those are really um, key critical things for, for your department. Well, I think it's, uh, I'm really excited about the chance to work with uh, Department of Commerce, uh, Department of Labor, uh, Department of Transportation. I mean. It, 
you just can't keep ag in its in a closed circle if we're going to try to address also address these issues in rural Kansas. Uh, so, you know, collaborating. It's amazing what you'll learn if you collaborate with others. That there are resources out there. There are people that that want to help. Uh, there's federal grants maybe available that that you weren't aware of. So I, you know, I'm just looking forward to, to to working with those other agencies uh, collectively. You know, the broadband access, you know, has implications for enhancing education in rural communities. It has uh, uh, implications for helping with uh, healthcare access mm -hmm. to healthcare. And you know, from purely from ag standpoint, I think you know the precision ag. I just want to make sure that uh, Kansas farmers and ranchers are able to use the latest and greatest. But I th one of the reasons I also think it's it's important uh, and key is you know margins are really thin, right. and you know perhaps the the, the negative uh, economic bottom line right now is maybe more of an issue of continued rising expenses as much as uh, or more than the actual price levels of, of commodities. Mm -hmm. So, you know, being able with, with more accurate, timely, precise information, if, you know, if you can gain, you know, 5% or 2% efficiency or savings, you know, in multiple areas, you know, that starts um, changing the bottom line. Um, out our direction, out in western Kansas, workforce, labor, it's a huge topic of conversation around every coffee pot that a farmer gathers around. What does um, Governor Kelly's administration and Secretary or, and the, the Department of Agriculture, what are some areas of effort or areas of emphasis or, or some opportunities that you see in expanding our ag workforce? Well, that, that's a difficult one, and it's uh, the reason I think it came up in the rural uh, listening sessions because it's not just agriculture; mm -hmm. it's uh, you know, it's it's bodies in communities, young people staying there, or young people moving to the rural communities. Um, so, you know, I don't think it's going to be any one or two uh, bullets, silver bullets. Uh, our agency here and some of our staffs worked with uh, trying to make uh, some of the, the kids aware in, in schools about uh, the opportunities mm -hmm. that might that might be available that uh, may not may take some technical training and not necessarily uh, for your college degrees even in, in the most remote rural communities there are young folks who really don't are no longer really associated with farm and ranches. So trying to create some awareness. Uh, but, but we need to drill down on, uh, on that. And, and I think it's unfair that folks who don't live uh, in the rural areas, I think they maybe just take it for granted that that's not a quality of life that, that they want. If folks were more exposed to that and knew that it's, it's a great place to uh, live uh, and grow a raise a family, so it's going to be difficult, but it's and it's going to take lots of different initiatives. Mm -hmm. But hopefully, we'll learn more about some opportunities here in, in the coming months. Okay, I would be remiss if I didn't ask uh, any news on the Tyson fire and rebuilding and anything that you can 
you know, share with our, our listeners and our readers about how the state's working with Tyson. I haven't had communications with uh, Tyson directly since we were out uh, the afternoon um, that the fire was extinguished. Uh, I know uh, the governor's office has been, you know, made it very clear that uh, we want Tyson to continue to be uh, uh, here in Kansas and we'll offer to help however we can. Well, I would just say when I went out there, I was, I was thrilled with how the local community leaders ensure that they know that they're welcome. And I was also encouraged by the, the plant manager's uh, effort to basically say we got work to do mm-hmm. and so I, I think it's pretty clear that it was clear early that they're not leaving they're they're planned to, to rebuild and keep working this and get back on track as quickly as possible so I'm trying to find um, places to go with with the fed cattle supplies that mm-hmm. would have been destined for that plant and, and those market implications and so that that's been a challenge it sounds like for the most part they're working through it uh, I don't think we can. Um, it's obvious that we'd probably be looking at a little higher price level. Our capacity was up to where it was prior to the fire. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, the sooner we get that plant on board, the better. And, and if there's something we can do to help, we'll we'll certainly try to do so. Well, Secretary Bean, thank you so much for joining us on HPJ Talk, and um, we will see you down the road on the trail. Okay. I look forward to it. Well, this is Kayleen Scott, and I'm for HPJ Talk. I'm here with Earl Lewis. He's the acting director of the Kansas Water Office, and we are at Learned today at the uh, Water Tech Farm. Um, Earl, can you tell me a little bit about these meetings you guys have been having and what the purpose is of them? You bet. And so this whole effort with the Water Technology Farms is an outgrowth of the Governor's Water Vision, which was put together about five or six years ago. Um, and what we heard as we, as we talked to producers is, uh, like we know in every other aspect of our lives, that technology is changing very fast and having a big influence on how we live our lives. And so irrigation technology is, has maybe been a little bit behind that, but it's certainly catching up right now. Uh, but what we heard from producers is that they really want to see if we're going to adopt new technology, how does that technology work? They want to see that on an actual producer's property um, because how producers farm is not necessarily how uh, the researchers farm and that sort of thing. And so they really want to hear from the producers what works and what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this gives us an opportunity to work with local producers, with private side on technology firms and sort of commodity groups and farm groups to really have a whole package of looking at our water use, uh, our crop mix, uh, irrigation technology, and what can be successful both in saving water, but uh, also just as importantly, if not more importantly, how can we maintain or in a lot of cases increase the bottom line for that farmer. Okay. Now when I hear technology, I think money. What are, what is about these technologies that makes them affordable or are they affordable or is it just something that a farmer has to invest in? Well, you know, we've got a whole range of technologies uh, and some of them are have a upfront capital cost. If you think of, of something you might add to a pivot uh, like a control system or soil moisture probe, uh, there's a little bit of upfront cost. Uh, some of them are more subscription services. If you think about some of the imaging and remote sensing mm-hmm. technologies and, and some of our crop consultants are using. Um, and so it kind of depends on the technology you're using. What, uh, what this technology farm gives us the opportunity to do is take some of that, that stress of making that initial investment uh, and knowing whether it's going to work or not off of the producer 
uh, either through grant dollars from the state for commodity groups, or a lot of times the private firms that are trying to, to get the technology in the field will donate or bring that at a much lower cost. Okay. What have you gotten out of the tour? Have you been on other stops? Is this your first one? Or? So this is our, uh, our fourth one. We've got another uh, uh, four or five to go. Um, and so yeah, I've learned, learned a lot. It's really, to me, uh, inspiring to see the producers that are actively engaged, that are thinking ahead. Uh, and a lot of times what we hear from them is, um, you know, things that they're implementing now and they're being successful with now are not necessarily things that they would have thought about, say, five, ten years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and so, the, again, the biggest thing is that they're seeing that they can make that maybe a little bit of upfront investment, but they get that money back by saving on their input costs, uh, saving on energy costs for the irrigation. Uh, we obviously are in it, in, interested in it from the aspect of the water and trying to be more conservative with our water, but it becomes a win-win because the, the aquifer benefits, we have less water use, uh, we have a more sustainable situation, and then the, the farmer, the producer has a more sustainable situation financially because their, their return on investment on that per acre uh, is usually higher than what they've seen on before. Well, that sounds really good. Earl, thanks for talking to me today on for HBJ Talk, and good luck with the rest of your events. All right, thank you very much. Thank you. We want to remind our readers that the 2019 High Plains Journal crop books are on their way in issues coming soon. Are you looking for information about wheat trials in Kansas, Oklahoma, Colorado, or Texas? We have that data for you to use in selecting your very next variety before you get ready to plant. Or if you're looking for variety trial data from various fall crops like corn, sorghum, or soybeans, we have that coming as well. So be looking for the 2019 High Plains Journal crop books in your print issues today. Your grain market prices from Dodd City's Pride Ag Resources on August 20th. Corn was down at $3.45, wheat was up at $3.42, milo was down at $2.90, and soybeans were down at $7.33. If you'd like to have crop or livestock targeted news emailed directly to you, sign up for our HPJ Direct email newsletters at our website, hpj.com signup. Simply select the topics that interest you and you'll receive updates on them directly to your email. Next week's print issue of High Plains Journal is our stalker cattle issue with a story from contributor Lacey Newland. Be sure to watch for that in your mailboxes September 2nd, and look for additional content online anytime at www.hpj.com. Remember, you can subscribe for free to this podcast at hpj.com podcasts. You can also find us on places like iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you download podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at HPJ Talk for news and commentary throughout the week. We're also on Instagram. And you can always drop us a line at our email, hpjtalk at hpj.com. Thanks again for riding along with us, folks, as we bring ag news and commentary to you. And remember, as Dodge City's favorite lawman, Wyatt Earp, once said, fast is fine, but accuracy is everything. We'll see you on the trail. This has been a production of High Plains Journal, all rights reserved. Dirt road in a gooseneck, saddle up with me. Dry land in God's country, crops far as I can see. Headlights on both ends of my day. <laughs>